When you look at me, you probably do not see a man who was run down and trampled by horses. If you do, you should go see your eye doctor. You probably can't tell either that I was somebody who worried a lot. The horse thing and the anxiety are connected, by the way. Maybe you've heard that psalm that goes, do not fret. It only leads to evil. I can tell you that it's true. My life, until I met Jesus, was one long, tiring fret. I was like Samson, chained to the millstone, turning that big round object to grind grain. My chains were resentment and anger, but unlike Samson, I wasn't strong. I was even weaker than weak Samson after he was duped by Delilah, and then they cut his hair. That's right, these legs and these arms were useless. I was bedridden and paralyzed, unable to move my body. The only thing I could move was my mind, and it pushed thoughts around and around, worried, angry, you know. I guess you could say I was paralyzed in body and mind because this thinking led nowhere. But who wants to criticize a paralytic? Am I right? (laughs) When I shared my despair with my friends and family, no one could blame me. All that potential, all that possibility, lying there with dormant and useless limbs, What were they to do? Add insult to injury and tell me to cheer up? I wasn't anything special before my accident. I mean, I went to the synagogue on weekends. I showed up for work throughout the week, did my best to follow the law, made sacrifices necessary to atone for the big stuff. A few turtle doves here and there, the occasional goat. Um, But I would have called myself I wouldn't have called myself religious, religious, just full of zest for life. But all that zest was quickly zapped when I stepped into the path of a unit of Roman soldiers as they tore through a side street to quell an uproar near the temple. We were in the holy city for a festival, and what can I say? I was filled with fervor and passion, and that energy you get with people you love on the streets of the holy city, I felt invincible. You would, have think I was, you would have thought I was the high priest by the way people almost venerated me after the accident. A Hebrew of Hebrews who stood up to Rome, they'd say, the last stand I'd ever took. And so my bitterness and my anger were never really checked or challenged by those around me. Until I met Jesus, that is. <clears throat> At Christmas, we tend to use the words like hope and peace and joy, as we very well should. But we often overlook the very reasons those words have such an appeal in the first place. Until the advent of Jesus in my life, I lived on the the other side of those words, in despair and the regret that tells you every day there is no reason to hope. There is no way to experience joy again. It was my friends who cut a hole in the roof and lowered my helpless body through it, plopped me right in front of Jesus, 
and you should have seen the look on his face. The surprise, and dare I say the profound respect that he had for my friends for the bold move that they made to get me in front of him. Some say they were motivated out of guilt, that their bones didn't get crushed during the events of that fateful day, just like mine did. But Jesus himself recognized that they were moved by faith in him to heal me. The strangest thing that day was that he said for everyone to hear, friend, your sins are forgiven. I didn't know what I expected. I wanted him to reach out his hand and heal me. I'd imagined it a thousand times ever since I heard of his miraculous power. But Jesus said what no one else would say. I was a sinner with a sickness that went much deeper than my body. A man with a problem worse than my failed limbs. You know the rest of the story. Look at me. I walked out of there with my bed in my hands and my whole future ahead of me, restored and set free. The religious people were scandalized. Those hungry for righteousness had their needs met. And those with eyes to see saw the glory of God revealed. It was kind of a per- it's kind of a perfect Christmas story, isn't it? Suddenly, there's Jesus in the midst of humanity after all those dark days of despair, just as surprising as a grown man as he was a baby, Emmanuel, God with us. And the force of that collision, as the truth of who Jesus is, impacts the human heart. It is more violent and transformative than the impact of a charging Roman horse against a body. And with a single word, Jesus can set you free from your sin and despair into what can only be described as true joy. I'm no elegant or sophisticated man that deserves God's grace, but I was given his grace anyway. God's grace changed me forever. I hope you encounter Jesus' grace in a way that changes you this Advent season. Well, on Friday, I informed my husband, I am never preaching on joy again. (laughs) I'm not doing it. He was making fun of me last night, not preaching on joy again, huh? I said, nope. It had already been an exhausting week. I had made a drive to Chicago. I had made a drive to Indiana. I had made a drive to Springfield, Missouri. And in the midst of all of that, on top of, you know, the daily work and responsibilities that are already a little crazy, my stove went out of commission which this happens often. It has a little, the igniter breaks like a couple times a year and Darren replaces it for 20 bucks. So I had ordered a new part and he went to fix the out of commission stove this week. He proceeded to drop the part and break the part. My dryer went down in the middle of all of that. Nothing like a trip to the laundromat. And then 
one thing each evening that helps me de-stress is my calming lavender hot tea. My tea kettle went down, and I finished off the week by turning 49. <laughs> Hence my declaration, I'm never preaching on joy again. <laughs> now, this is one of those, you know, everybody has a week like that, right? It's a week full of distractions. That's what all of that was. I have been so intentional this Advent season to take time to focus in on Christ. And then a week like this happens, and it all goes out the door, right? We have these weeks full of distractions. But then there are deeper things. Then there are, then there are things in life like loss of loved ones. Uh, Shelly's not here today, but we lost Ken Hutchison last week, right? There's things like broken relationships within families. There are serious health issues that we battle. There's the loss of jobs. These are not just life distractions. These are deep difficult, dark places, aren't they? And everybody at some point in time walks through them. At some point in life, some, one of these is going to happen, right? And, and so these, whether it's a week full of life distractions or whether it's these deep, dark places, it can feel like it's all pressing in on all sides, can't it? It can just feel like, and, and so I'm envisioning in the, the telling that David just shared of this paralytic man, I'm envisioning this pressing of, on all sides. And so I want to just give you a little perspective from the word that, that he just shared in that. And so it says, on one of the days while Jesus was teaching, some proud religious law keepers and teachers of the law were sitting by him. They had come from every town in the countries of Galilee and Judea, from Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was there to heal them. The same power available to us today. Some men took a man who was not able to move his body to Jesus. He was carried on a bed, and they looked for a way to take the man into the house where Jesus was, but they could not find a way to take him in because of so many people. I'm envisioning this crowd of people pressing in around Jesus, and this guy is just so desperate to get to Jesus, and he can't. And, and, and so I translate that into this mental picture of, of all of these life distractions in these deep, dark places pressing in, and we just want to get to Jesus, but sometimes it feels like we can't move past all of these distractions and deep, dark places pressing in on us. But this man was on a mission, and he had some good friends, and so they looked for a way and not finding it, what do they do? They make a hole in the roof over where Jesus stood. And they let the bed with the sick man on it down before Jesus. Jesus saw their faith. And that's when he says, friend, 
your sins are forgiven. Sometimes it takes a little desperation to move through everything that is crowding and pressing in to find Christ. But today, today we're going to talk about how that can happen for you and for me. Because today we're talking not just about happiness, we're talking about joy. And joy is a whole nother, it, it, it is something that, can't, that happiness cannot even touch. And you say, I don't know, I'm living in one of those deep, dark places. I may not know your deep, dark place, but I know the Savior, Jesus, who came to light up the deep, dark places who came to in the power of healing, not just to this man, but to you, where you are at right now, today. It's the same power. And so the question that we ask ourselves in this Advent week of joy is, is joy circumstantial? Friday, I wasn't really feeling a lot of it, to be quite, I felt... And, I'm, and, and in the midst of all of that, I've got my two little grandkids that I just want to sit and go play Legos with, right? And, and so in the midst of those hard places, in the midst of the distractions, is it possible to attain to this thing called joy? Well, let's take a moment and read from Luke chapter 2. And this is the account of Christ his birth. And so in Luke chapter 2, we're going to just read a little bit of context in verse 4. Joseph, Jesus's father, listen, it's no different. You pay taxes today. I have grandkids with me from Missouri because I have a son who refuses to live in Illinois and pay taxes. They had the same problems back in Jesus's day. Same problem. They had taxes they had to pay. And so in verse 4, we have Joseph, who is having to go back to his hometown to register because he's got to pay taxes. And so Joseph went up from Galilee out of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because as we heard today, there was no room in the inn. And verse 8 here we have our point for today. Now, when, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. I mean, can you just imagine? You're just minding your own business in a field in your backyard. And suddenly an angel from heaven is in front of you. You might have the same response as these shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. You might start trembling a little bit. And the angel said, wait a minute, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy 
which will be, and I love this, to all people, all people, all who would call upon the name of Christ. He has come to bring great joy. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is Christ the Lord. Listen, of all of the things that the angel could come and say in this moment after the birth of Christ, what is it that he says? I have come to bring you great joy. I've not come to bring you a new religious order. I've not come to give you a new set of laws. I have come to bring you great joy. Great joy. A few months ago, we were talking about joy in one of the sermons, and we talked about this definition of what joy is. And... There's your usual things like exhilaration and rejoicing and glee and gladness. But the one that gets me every time is this definition of calm delight. Calm delight. I think that this is a powerful definition because when everything is dark, when everything, when it feels like chaos is surrounding you in that moment... What Jesus gives you is calm delight. John Piper, he defines it this way, an author. Joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Jesus in the word and in his works. Is joy circumstantial? Does everything have to be going perfectly for there to be joy? Do you have to have this perfect Christmas everything season to have joy? Happiness is the one that is pleasure-driven, right? Joy is not derived from pleasure, but happiness sure is. Happiness sure is. And so when we talk about what this joy is, this kind of calm delight, this kind of a gladness in the soul, not just in my mind and my emotions, but the very heart of who I am, we've got to know if we want this joy, the source of the joy. Because it's one thing to say joy to the world. It's another thing to want joy in this Christmas season. But without knowing the source of the joy, you don't experience the joy. And so when we look there in our passage in Luke, in verse 10, the angel said, Don't be afraid. I bring you great tidings of joy to all people. For there is born to you a Savior who is Christ. Okay, so first of all, what is the tidings? Great joy. This is the message they brought. We have great joy for you. And then they go on to say what the source of the joy is. There is born to you today a Savior, Christ the Lord. He is the source of joy. The source of joy for you and for me can be found in nothing else than relationship with 
Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Matthew, it is part of the prophecy concerning the coming of Christ. Behold, the Virgin Mary shall be with child. She'll bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. From the very beginning, this plan was a plan of relationship, a plan to connect with God our Father. That which in the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, when they walked with God and talked with God in the garden and had this wonderful relationship, and then sin came in because we disobeyed, and what happened? Relationship broke. Our relationship with God broke. And from that moment, God was on a mission to put that relationship back together, and he did it through Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so if we go back to my week that we started with, what were all of these things doing? They were pulling at me on all sides, every day, all day, pulling at me. And I just wanted to, Jesus, I just want to sit at your feet. What were they doing? They were trying to get me out of my positional relationship with Christ. Because you do have an enemy that does not want you in relationship with him. And he tries to move you out. Right? And so in that, in the middle of this week on Friday, I made that statement to Darren. I'm not preaching on joy again. <laughs> Why? Because I knew. See, I have a choice to make. If I know the source of joy, I know where to go to get joy. And I, I would have been very happy getting my new dryer. I would have been very happy having my oven working. I, all these things would have made me very happy. But the power of this source of joy is that while I'm in the midst of these things, if I will dig down, I can find in relationship with Jesus the joy that the other things cannot give to me. It's a powerful thing, this thing called joy. And so we know the source, they told us the source, the Savior, Christ the Lord. What I want us to look at next is the recipient of the joy. The angels came and they made this declaration to the Pharisees and the leaders, the religious leaders of that time. No. To all of the kings of the earth. No, the recipients of this joy were the shepherds. Now, there's a lot of conflict over the status of these shepherds. And sometimes you'll read that they were these outcasts and nobody wanted to be around them. But what I read, there's just not a lot of truth to that. Their whole their whole economic system is based upon the work of these shepherds. It's an agricultural society. And so it says in here, all of the people, later on we're going to touch on this a little more, but the shepherds, once they received the tidings of joy, they went on to tell some people. And it, so it says the people who heard it, their story, marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Listen, in that day, 
an outcast would not have even, nobody would have listened to them to begin with. They're an outcast. We're not even going to listen to what you have to say. But the people listened, and they heard their story, and they marveled at what the shepherds told them. They were not necessarily social outcasts, but what they were were just common people like you and me. Common people like you and me. This is who the angel came and brought glad tidings to. Common people like you and me. They were common, yet the interesting thing is they were foreshadows. Any of you literature people, you know the power of foreshadowing in a story, right? Giving you a hint of to what is to come. And these shepherds were actually foreshadows of Jesus himself, who called himself the Good Shepherd, who was concerned for his people, the sheep. What did the Good Shepherd want to do to take care of the sheep, to comfort the sheep, to minister to the sheep? And so who does he proclaim his coming to but literal shepherds? Common people. In the Chronicles of Narnia, in Prince Caspian, if you've read Prince Caspian, many of you are familiar with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you've read that and enjoyed it, you should read all of them. But in Prince Caspian, Aslan, the lion, says to him, You come of Lord Adam and Lady Eve. And that is both honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. Why? Each and every person is made in the image of God. There is honor over each and every person. And yet there comes a shame because we took this honor and we disobeyed and we sinned. And so that is to our shame. But the Lord Jesus Christ was born on this day for us common people to bring salvation and hope and joy. And so the response of these shepherds after their first initial fear, I imagine them being just like knocked down on their, we were laughing, we were at my mother's Friday night and Edmund, my oldest grandson, all of a sudden he just like tipped himself over. You know how you fall, you kind of gently fall? No, he like, just like that. Like, ah, I imagine the shepherds in the moment of glory just after they, after they get through their shock, though, and they receive this great tidings of joy, listen, there comes a response when you encounter true joy. There comes something that I have, I have tasted of the source of joy. I have experienced it. And because of that, I have to respond. And how did the shepherds respond? They spread it around, and they invited people into it. We read about it earlier in verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, Jesus, they went and saw Jesus in the manger. 
they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Listen, they encountered something that they could not contain. Joy cannot be contained. When you have come into contact with it and it has changed you forever, you cannot contain it. You want others to experience it, right? And, you know, we're, awful, we're awfully simple sometimes, people. And so there was at one point KFC. How many of you like to eat at KFC? Not many of you. I don't blame you. I'm not big. But my kids like KFC. I'm like, eh. At one point, through Oprah, KFC had made it possible for every person to get a free meal of their grilled chicken. People were exuberant. Can you imagine? I'm imagining it flying all over Facebook. Free chicken at KFC, telling everybody. Their computer server was overwhelmed with requests for this chicken. You're able to get coupon, coupons for this chicken. And the restaurants were overwhelmed by the requests. Free chicken. Okay, it would be like me, really, if it were free coffee. I might have something to get excited about. But free chicken. The, the amount of craziness over this two-piece chicken was insane. Listen, if there's even a fraction of this excitement and joy of God's kingdom and his people, what might we see God do if we had even a third of that kind of excitement for the two-piece chicken? We should have a thousand times more joy compared to the two-piece chicken. As they're sharing for the chicken, what are they doing? They're inviting people into the chicken experience. I'm going to get free chicken. You want free chicken too, don't you? Cole, let's go get some free chicken. They're, what are they doing? They're inviting people in to the free chicken. By the way, if you are a first-time guest with us, we have a free coffee card for you at the coffee shop as you leave today. <laughs> We have come in contact with the source of true joy. And we want others to come into the experience of joy in Christ. It is like no other. Nothing can touch it. This is what our paralyzed friend experienced. He had friends that were willing to make it happen for him to get down to Jesus, right? He had friends saying, come on, let's go experience the living Christ. We have to be like these friends. We've got joy that we have come in contact with that has transformed us, and we want to bring others into joy. It's stinginess to bottle it up and keep it. We need to spread the joy. Because the truth is, is to truly find joy is not 
mean your life is a 90-minute Hallmark movie. In 90 minutes, your failing business will be restored. And you'll have come into a bunch of money. And, and while that is happening, you'll have mended all family relationships and, to top it all off, found the love of your life. All in 90 minutes. Candace is like, sign me up. <laughs> we know life is not a 90-minute Hallmark movie. It is messy. And if we're waiting for the perfect moment to begin to walk with Christ, it will never happen. The whole point of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us coming down, is to get into the mess with us. <laughs> he wants to get in your mess. He wants to get into your mess. And the truth is, in Nehemiah, it says this about joy. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, when I was raising my kids, Darren would quote that at me all the time. Be like, I don't want to hear it. Maybe you should go do the dishes for me instead. <laughs> he loved to quote that, and I got a little resentful a time or two about it. But it's a truth. See, the enemy wants to steal your joy because if he can steal your joy, he has stolen your strength. And when life is messy, when it's full of distractions, when it's dark and when it's hard and when it's overwhelmingly sad and unfair and unjust, Christ comes and gives you joy to have strength to make it through it. It all comes from Jesus, the source. He wants in your mess. He wants in your mess. It doesn't scare him. It does not overwhelm him. He can handle your mess. He let, just if you can imagine, I don't know if you ever, I think God gave us imaginations. And so I think it's good to utilize them. And so I don't know if you've ever stopped to just imagine what heaven might be like, what the glories of it are like, what it is like to be the king of all of this, the creator of the universe, having all authority and power, and to one day say, okay, I'm going to leave all of this. And that dark world full of wickedness and injustice I'm going to go down there, not as the king of the universe and the creator of it all, but I'm going to go down there as one of them. I'm going to get into the mess. That's what Jesus did. He left all of the glory for you and for me. our paralyzed man, if we go back to him. He said, to, Jesus said to the man who could not move his body, I say to you, get up. Take your bed and go to your home. At once, the sick man got up in front of them. He took his bed and went to his home, thanking God. 
And all those who were there were surprised and gave thanks to God, saying, We have seen a very special thing today. We have seen a very special thing today. When joy comes to you, a very special thing has happened to you today, and you are forever changed. When you've tasted of the joy, there's no going back, right? Listen, I, I stayed at a hotel Wednesday night because I, re, I refused to stay in the RV with my kids. And it was a nice, it was actually the best pro lodge. So I had great expectations. Well, I should get a decent cup of coffee, right? No. I had to go to my favorite coffee shop in Springfield, Eurasia Cafe, that supports missionaries around the world. <laughs> Why? Because I have tasted of good coffee beans, and there's just nothing else that can satisfy now, right? When you have tasted, and listen, here's what we're doing. We're trying to find satisfaction, and, and, and this is possibly your jobs and your relationships and things in this life. They can provide satisfaction. They can even give you a measure of joy, but what happens when they are taken from you? What happens when you no longer have that job and that identity? What happens when you've got four little kids and your husband thinks he's going to die by the end of the year? What happens when you, these things are threatened to be gone from you that once gave you a bit of satisfaction and a bit of, uh, of joy? What are you left with? Listen, a relationship with Emmanuel... God with us transcends all of it, transcends your job satisfaction, transcends the love that you have within your family and your spouses. The, the Emmanuel, the relationship with Emmanuel transforms every form of relationship, every form of entertainment. It transcends all of that. You might find temporary bits of satisfaction, but at the end of the day, when the lights are out, and it's dark, and it's quiet, what are you left with? Relationship with Emmanuel gives you a joy that when everything else is stripped from you, it remains joy. One last quote from C.S. Lewis. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus wants to go deeper than what these things can give to you. He wants to give you true joy today. And so this morning... 
as we, we're going to take a few moments as we conclude here. The team is going to come back up. And, you know, you may be a follower of Christ and have been for a long time. And, and sometimes we got to remember that, wait a minute, I'm not just going about the grind like David was talking about earlier. The day-to-day grind in life, there's something more. There's this thing called joy. And he wants you to experience it for yourself. And, and so maybe you're a follower of Christ and you're saying, wait a minute, I think there's a, a, a deeper place in Christ I haven't tapped into. And, and, and maybe I've let all of these distractions and all of these dark places, maybe I have let them pull me away from Jesus, the source of joy. I need to get back to joy. I need to get back to joy. I need to quit letting distractions pull me. And maybe you're here today and you said, this is all very new to me. I have never heard about this one Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, today, and and you may have a, a wonderful life, but what Jesus is offering is something eternal. He's offering something that when everything else stops, you've got something more in him. And so this morning, I want us, because this is a day of joy, this is a day of celebration, right? And so we're going to conclude our service today with joy to the world again. And as as we're singing that, I just want to invite you, if you're saying, I could just use somebody to pray with me. I have not been walking in joy, and I need to get back to joy. I need to get back to Jesus. We want to come in agreement and pray with you today. Or if you're saying, I have never, ever received Christ into my life, today is a great day to do that. Today is a great day to say, Jesus, I recognize that you came down to this muddy, messy earth to take away my sin, to give me eternal life, to give me joy forevermore. Then today we want to pray with you as well. And so if you will stand with me today, and if you, as we all sing this together and enjoy a moment of joy, if you need prayer, our elders will be meet you down here. You just come on down. We don't want anybody to leave carrying anything that will steal your joy if you don't have to. Amen? And so Jesus, today, we turn our eyes to you and we give thanks that you have come with great tidings of joy for us, that you have come that where we have had brokenness and hardship and despair, that you have come to give us joy and joy forevermore. And so we rejoice in you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.